0: Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. Our essay this week is called Listening for God's Love, What I Did This Summer. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, August the 10th, 2014. Last month, my wife and I returned from walking the 458-mile pilgrimage across southern France called Le Chemin de Puy. The medieval town of Le puy en velay near Lyon is famous for its lentils and its lace-making. It's also the oldest known starting point of the many medieval pilgrim routes that all converge on Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Back in 1866, an archivist named Leopold de Lau discovered a 10th-century manuscript that describes how in the winter of 951, a bishop named Goldesach made the earliest known pilgrimage to Santiago. He started in Lepuy. In the manuscript, a monk named Gomez describes how Goldesach left Lepuy to, quote, reach in haste the lands of Galicia to implore the mercy of Christ and the approbation of St. James. Today, the Cathedral in Puy is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. About 50,000 people a year start their pilgrimage there. Every morning there's a special service to bless pilgrims on their journey. So that's where we started, joining the 1100-year-old Procession of Saints. As we exited out the back archway of the church, a light drizzle made us don our rain gear. Thirty days later, we finished in saint jean Port, the same village where in 2012 we started the 500-mile Camino Francais across northern Spain that finishes in Santiago. saint jean Port is thus both an end and a beginning point for it's situated almost exactly halfway along the 1,000-mile route from La Puy, France to Santiago, Spain. Whereas we did the entire pilgrimage in two trips, it's not unusual to meet people who do the whole 1,000 miles from La Puy to Santiago in one go. We met fellow pilgrims from 30 countries in all walks of life, They walk the chemin, or the Camino, for many reasons. It's a great way to spend a week of vacation. For others, it's the beautiful scenery, or the physical challenge. Wilford walked in memory of his grandmother, who always wanted to do the Camino, but never could. Vincent hiked the 1,000 miles with his two dogs and camped out at night. We met several sibling pairs walking together. Helene took her granddaughter. And one group included three generations a mother, daughter, and granddaughter. The combination of fresh air and physical exhaustion is like therapy. People joke that the walking is addictive. Meeting new people and listening to their stories is one of the biggest blessings. Some people have quit their jobs or their studies to work through life issues. Most all of us are looking for a better way to live. I resonated with all of these motivations. But more than that, I wanted to listen for the love of God. And on the good days, when I was present to the moment and not just grinding out the mileage, that's what I heard. The wild flowers and songbirds reminded me of the words of Jesus. Listen to the birds. Look at the flowers. Don't worry about your life. Don't be afraid. Your Father in heaven knows what you need. Follow me. This is what Paul calls the good news in this week's epistle from Romans 10. He writes, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the words of Edwina Gately's beautiful poem, God only wants to look upon you with his love and to bless you. So, writes Gately, let your God love you. Paul contrasts two ways of living your life. We can live by the law, which is a sort of spiritual meritocracy in which you get what you can earn. You try to prove yourself to God, yourself, and to others. But living by the law is a terrible idea. It doesn't work. It's impossible to achieve and therefore oppressive. It encourages sanctimony and legalism. Now, worst of all, it isn't necessary, for God never asks us to prove ourselves. He only asks us to let him love us. In this sense, a pilgrimage can be a fool's errand if you think you can walk your way to the love of God by some arduous achievement. In contrast, Paul commends a life of faith, By faith, we accept God's free gifts. By faith, we get precisely what we don't deserve, and even more. Faith believes that God isn't a divine accountant or probation officer. He's an indulgent father who throws a party for his indigent son. He's like an employer who pays employees a full day's wage, even though they only work for an hour. He's like a lavish wedding host who provides copious amounts of the best wine. But Romans 10, 5 to 15, isn't really about how much God wants to bless me. It's about how God wants to bless other people. And in particular, how he wants to bless the very people for whom I have contempt. In Paul's time and place, that meant convincing conscientious Jewish believers that God wanted to bless pagan Gentiles. He writes, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For Paul, Jews are no closer to God And Gentiles are no further from God. We're all equidistant to the heart of God's love. And so Paul concludes, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring this good news. That God wants to bless all the people that I'm tempted to curse. He includes those whom I would exclude and embraces the people I would shun. This good news, says Paul, is for all people and for everyone. No one is accepted. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way. More literally, in the original Greek, I am the road. In the Spanish translation, Jesus is El Camino, and in French, he's La Chemin, which is to say, he calls each one of us to a pilgrimage of the heart, straight to the heart of God's free love. For further reflection, consider Julian of Norwich, 1342 to 1416, who once wrote, The greatest honor we can give Almighty God is to live gladly because of the knowledge of his love. And then the poem by Edwina Gately, Let Your God Love You. Be silent, be still, alone, empty before your God. Say nothing, ask nothing, be silent, be still, Let your God look upon you. That is all. God knows. God understands. God loves you with an enormous love and only wants to look upon you with that love. Quiet. Still. Be. Let your God love you. For books this week, I review a new title by a favorite author, Sarah Miles. The title is called City of God, Faith in the Streets, New York, Jericho Books, 2014, 205 pages. Fifteen years ago, Sarah Miles walked into St. Gregory's Episcopal Church in San Francisco without premeditation. She partook of the Eucharist and experienced a radical conversion. She had never heard a gospel reading, never said the Lord's Prayer, and knew only one person who went to church. She was 46, a blue-state secular intellectual, a lesbian, and a left-wing journalist with habits of deep skepticism from covering revolutionary movements in Central America. She tells this story in her 2007 book, Take This Bread. That book was followed in 2010 by another book, Jesus Freak, which describes the food pantry program that Miles started in 2000. <clears throat> Free food was a deliberate extension of the Eucharist in an imitation <clears throat> of the way Jesus used table fellowship as a sign of God's kingdom. Setting up food around the church altar, every Friday the pantry gives away free groceries with no questions asked and no forms to fill out to about 800 families. The pantry is run by church volunteers, misfits, and oddballs who have benefited from the ministry. Another 18 similar pantries have been jump-started as a result of Miles sharing her story both locally and nationally. This brings us to her new book, City of God, which describes Miles's transformation from what she calls a respectable churchgoer to a, quote, lunatic evangelist, end quote. When in 2010, she joined a small group of people who took the Ash Wednesday imposition of ashes into the streets of her San Francisco neighborhood. She says she wanted to get beyond the tastefully enclosed museum of religious life. So, they hit the streets of this most secular of cities. They knelt in McDonald's, at bus stops, and on the sidewalks in their black cassocks to pray and impose ashes. Yes, she says she felt self-conscious, fraudulent, awkward, and exposed. But guess what? People loved it. Why were people so eager for ashes and so effusive with gratitude? Ash Wednesday, it turns out, is the most honest of days when the church reminds you of what no one else in society will say that from dust you came, and to dust you will return. We admit that we've made a mess. In other words, the truth is a blessing. City of God is mainly about taking the Lenten liturgy to the streets, but it's also much more. Miles wonders about the changing demographics of her urban neighborhood. After 20 years in the same house with her partner Martha, She asks what it means to be a neighbor. She explores what it means to express personal faith in a public setting. What other lessons might we learn with similar experimental liturgies and ecclesiologies? Miles asks hard questions. She never sentimentalizes her subject or gives herself a free pass. This book was yet another confirmation that any new book by Sarah Miles is an automatic read for me. Sarah Miles, City of God, Faith in the Streets. For movies this week, I review a film from India. It's called The Lunchbox, from 2014. After 35 years as an accountant in a dusty claims department, and the death of his wife, Sajan, played by Irfan Khan of Slumdog Millionaire and Life of Pi, doesn't do much at night except watch television and smoke on his balcony. Then one day he gets a surprise note in his daily lunchbox delivery from a woman named Ila. It's obvious that the note was intended for Ila's husband and that the lunchbox was sent to the wrong person. But a tender pen-pal relationship emerges between Sajan and Ila. We forget things if we have no one to tell them to, he writes to Ila. Maybe they should meet, even escape to Bhutan. The first-time director, Ritesh Batra locates this humorous love story in the crowded chaos of Mumbai. The better to focus on the alienation of ordinary people like Sajan and Ela, and their hunger for human love. This film debuted at the Cannes and Toronto Film Festivals. The Lunchbox, 2014, from India And finally, for summer poetry, we've posted a powerful and hard-hitting poem by the poet, farmer, and essayist Wendell Berry. The poem is called Questionnaire. It has five questions. Number one. How much poison are you willing to eat for the success of the free market and global trade? Please name your preferred poisons. Number two, for the sake of goodness, how much evil are you willing to do? Fill in the following blanks with the names of your favorite evils and acts of hatred. Number three, what sacrifices are you prepared to make for culture and civilization? Please list the monuments, shrines, and works of art you would most willingly destroy. Number four. In the name of patriotism and the flag, how much of our beloved land are you willing to desecrate? List in the following spaces the mountains, rivers, towns, farms you could most readily do without. And number five. State briefly the ideas, ideals, or hopes, the energy sources, the kinds of security for which you would kill a child. Name, please, the children whom you would be willing to kill. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, August the 10th, 2014, I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.